Romans chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 11 of Romans chapter 2, down to verse 16 this evening. Romans chapter 2, verse 11 to 16. For there is no respect of persons with God, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. As many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for the privilege that we have of having it in our possession. We thank you, Father God, that we have the freedom to read it. and We have the Spirit of God to enable us to understand it. We pray tonight, Father God, as we look into your word and seek to preach your word, we pray that tonight we would understand its truth, that our hearts be blessed and refreshed by it, and that, Father, you'd give me wisdom as I speak this night, that, Lord, I might speak clearly, and your word might indeed be a blessing to us. Lord, guide our time together this night. May you be lifted up and praised, and we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As we return here in chapter 2 to God's courtroom, the trial continues before Almighty God. The second defendant is on trial, the civilised sinner. The defence has declared that the civilised sinner is not guilty before Almighty God because he has done good works. And surely his good works will get him to heaven. The prosecution, the Apostle Paul, disagrees. Staying the good works are not enough. For even with all his good works, a person is still guilty before Almighty God and without excuse. In Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 16, Paul says that these civilized sinners are without excuse because they do the same things as the heathen, and God knows the hearts of these individuals. Back in verse 2, we read, Therefore thou art excusable, verse 1, sorry, of chapter 2, Therefore thou art excusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judges, for when thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. And in verse 5, we read, But after thy hardness and the impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who shall render to every man according to his deeds so God knows their heart and they that condemn others will do the same things as the things they condemned in the heathen and therefore as we've already seen God judges these ones according to truth in verses 2 through 4 according to accumulated guilt in verse 5 according to works in verses 6 through 10 and now today we see that God judges without respect of person Verse 11, for there is no respect of persons with God. 
You know, we need to understand that God doesn't see you and I as we see each other. God is impartial in his judgment towards us. He sees everyone as equal. And he sees each one of our sins and he sees our our hearts. He knows us and he judges us equally. There is no partiality with God. And therefore every man, woman and child throughout history is equally accountable before a holy God. And so in verse 11 he says, there is no respect of persons with God. The word respect here is, uh, can be translated partiality. And it comes with two Greek words that are put together. And the two Greek words mean to receive and face. To receive and face. It means to judge things on the basis of externals or on preconceived notions. Some of the ancient Jewish rabbis taught that God showed partiality towards the Jews. In other words, he, uh, God showed the Jews favor for one thing and showed the Gentiles a different kind of attitude. And they would say that God will judge the Gentiles with one measure and the Jews with another. But no one is beyond God's judgment except those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, who put their faith and trust in Him and Him alone, only they are able to be saved and free from the judgment to come. You see, who we are makes no difference to God. Go with me to Romans chapter 3, please. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They all are together to become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre, and their tongues they have used deceit, and poison of asses under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that the things, uh, what things were written, uh, whatsoever the law saith, sorry. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so the truth of the matter is that every one of us are guilty before a holy God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And it makes no difference who we are. It makes no difference what race we are. God does not have respect of persons when it comes to his judgment. Now, it's been pointed out that in today's world, uh, if you're rich, you can sometimes avoid paying the penalty of breaking the law. You know, they have the money to hire skilled lawyers who, uh, by clever devices and by finding loopholes, can get their clients off. 
The truth is also that judges in a judicial system uh, are not necessarily uh, uh, guaranteed to be unbiased or guaranteed not to make mistakes. But with God, it makes no difference because God doesn't show favoritism. God is uh, able to show no respect to persons. It's true that the Jews are indeed a special people. It's true that the Jews are God's special nation. They're the apple of his eye. And as a nation, they have a guaranteed future. One day, God is going to gather the Jews together in completion and put them in the land, and they're going to possess the land from the river Nile, the river Euphrates, which God promised them, and they will indeed inherit the land. They are a special people. They're guaranteed a future. Yet no individual Jew could or can claim special privileges just because they're Jews. Jews and Gentiles, in the eyes of God, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, all are sinners before a holy God. And God looks not at what or who we are, but where we stand in relationship to Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that these first two chapters of Romans in particular, the Lord is trying to demonstrate to us that all have sinned. And here in chapter 2, he's demonstrating to us that all those who claim to be civilized have indeed sinned. And the Jews have sinned. And God will judge not based upon who we are, but based upon our relationship to Jesus Christ. And only those who are in Christ can escape the damnation to come. Isn't that what John tells us? Go back to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, passage we all know. Well, I am sure, but John chapter 3 and verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Condemnation is guaranteed to all those who don't know Christ. Salvation is guaranteed to all those who do know Christ. And it makes no difference whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, a heathen sinner, a civilized, civilized sinner, or a religious sinner. We've all sinned. So the question then comes, where does the law fit in to this whole concept of salvation? Where does God's law fit in to this whole situation? Well, Romans chapter 2, verses 12 to 15, explains this to us. For God judges not only without respect to person, but according to obedience not knowledge. God judges according to obedience, not knowledge. Look at verse 12. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, 
These having not the law are a law unto themselves, which show the works of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, and the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Now at first glance, Romans chapter 2 verses 12 to 15 can be a little difficult to understand, to get the you handle around it. But if we look at the first word of verse 12, verse 13 and verse 14, the meaning is simplified for us. The, the first word of each of these verses is the word for. Verse 11, for there is no respect to person with God. Verse 12, for as many as sinned without the law. Verse 13, for not the hearers of the law. Verse 14, for when the Gentiles. This little word for connects this all together for us. Romans 2.11 says, For there is no respect of persons with God. The question that that then generates is why? Why does God not have respect of persons? Why is that the case? Well, verse 12 starts to answer that. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. What Paul is saying in essence here in these verses is that ignorance of the law will not save you. The moralist, the, the civilized sinner, uh, the Gentile cannot get saved, uh, will not be saved just simply because they do not know the law. And the knowledge of the law will not save the Jew. Not knowing the law won't save you. And knowing the law won't save you. You see, the Gentile will not be judged by the law, but he will perish. Verse 12 says that. For as many have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. When a man sins, it doesn't matter if he knows nothing about the law, he is going to perish. That's the point here. He is a condemned, lost sinner, irrespective of whether he knows the law. Ignorance is no excuse. Ignorance will not save him. I mean, that's a principle of law, isn't it? Ignorance is not an excuse. If you're going along the road and you're speeding and you didn't know you were speeding and the policeman pulls you up, saying, sorry, I didn't know I was breaking the speed limit, is not an excuse. It may be your reason, but it's not an excuse. And ignorance is never an excuse under the law. And that's the same here. So the possession of the law will not save the Jew, and the ignorance of the law will not save the Gentile. Both are condemned alike. Isn't that what Romans 3.23 says? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what we have here in Romans chapter 2, verses 11 and following, is that Paul states the principle in verse 11. There is no respect of persons with God. That's the principle. And then in verse 12, he speaks of two classes of people, the Gentiles and the Jews. Notice what he says. 
For as many have sinned without the law, that's the Gentiles, shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law, that's the Jews, shall be judged by the law. In verses 14 and 15, he deal, uh, sorry, then applies the principle in verses 13 and 15. In verses 14 and 15, he deals with the first half of verse 12. And all of that's connected by the word for. And in verse 13, he deals with the second half of verse 12, also connected by the word for. And so in verses 14 and 15, he's talking about for as many have sinned without the law. And in verse 13, he's talking about for those of many of those who have sinned in the law. The Jew or the religious person may think that he's saved because he has the law. But the question is, has he kept it? And the Gentile might think he's saved because he does not have the law. But the question asked there is, has he kept the dictates of his own conscience? In other words, those who have the law, have they kept the law in its entirety? And those of us who didn't have the law, have we lived in absolute unity with our conscience? That's the issue here. Now know with me there are two parts of the 12th verse. The first deal with the Gentiles, the last with the Jews. And verse 14 should be read with the first part of verse 12. So it should read like this. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. For when the Gentiles that have not the law do by nature the things of the law, these not having the law are a law unto themselves. If it was according to knowledge, it would be unfair, wouldn't it? Let I me mean, think about it. If, if according to knowledge is how you get saved, if you have the knowledge of the law, that saves you. If you don't know about the law, then you're condemned and on your way to hell. That's unfair. Because God gave the law to the Jews. A man Sinai, God gave it to Moses. Moses then gave it to the Jews. And the Jewish nation were the ones who had the law, the Gentiles, for the most part, didn't even know the law. So if God judged by possession of the law, if having the law in your possession is the means by which you get saved, then that's unfair because all those who cannot have access to the law are not saved and it's not their fault. And therefore, if you don't obey the things you know to be right, you are condemned without excuse now this is affirmed for us in verse 14 because it tells us the Gentiles do not have the law now, it says for when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law these having not the law are a law unto themselves the Gentiles do not have the law that's the written law but it goes on to say they sometimes do by nature the things that are contained in the law. For example, consider the commandment, thou shalt not kill. That's one of the Ten Commandments. That's the law. And you and I may go to any primitive culture, and you and I may find men and women there who have never heard the law, but who have kept this law. They actually believe it's wrong to murder. They've never seen the word of God. They've never heard the word of God. 
They've never set eyes upon the law of God, but by nature they know it is wrong to murder. Their conduct proves that they have a standard of righteousness even though they've never read the law. And therefore, as verse 14 says, they're a law unto themselves. You see, God only has one standard of righteousness, not two. And that standard of righteousness is his law. And you have to keep the law in its entirety if you're going to be saved of your own ability. But men cannot do that. And so God only has one standard of righteousness, his law, and men have the law either in their hearts or they have the written law. And in verse 15, he gives the most scathing, or rather the most searching analysis of you and I. He says this, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. You see, the standard of righteousness is written in the very inner conscience of every civilized sinner, in every heart of every moralist, of every Gentile. The law of God is written in his heart. No matter how far from the law of God he is, he shows it by his conduct. In any civilized society, you find laws enacted which mirror the image of the word of God even though they do not have the word of God. And so he shows it by his conduct. They show the work of the law written in their hearts. And it continues in this verse 15. It says, their conscience bearing witness. They know that certain things are wrong because their conscience tells them it is wrong. And he concludes the verse by saying this, and their thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or else excusing one another. Their thoughts tell them they're right or they've done wrong. Now note, he says here, hearts, conscience, thoughts. They all bear witness the existence of this standard which shows itself in man's conduct. Just as the Jews had the written law, the Gentiles had the law written in their hearts. And his conscience sits in judgment of him. And his thoughts accuse him or else excuse him. He has a guilty conscience. And we live in a society which rejects God's law, as uh, doesn't read God's law, doesn't know it. But there are plenty of people in the world who have guilty consciences because they know in their heart of hearts that what they're doing is wrong. And yet if you ask them why it's wrong, they probably couldn't tell you because God's word says so. But their hearts and their consciences and their thoughts accuse them of unrighteousness. 
And so the, un, the Gentile, the civilized sinner, is unsaved. He's a sinner because his very conscience testifies to him the fact that he's broken the law of God even though he doesn't know God's law. He becomes a law unto himself. Now look at the latter part of verse 12. It says, And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. That explains why the Jew will be judged. You see, a man must do the things in the law, not simply hear them. The possession of the law, just having the law, hearing the law read to you on a regular basis, which the Jews did, hearing the law, reading the law, did not save them. Yet the possession of the law simply constitutes the context within which they will be judged. Because he will be judged by that very law that he possesses. Isn't that what Romans 3.20 says? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So every Jew who has the word of God and the law of God and has it read to him, it's in his possession he'll be judged by the very law that he thinks is saving him because he has not been able to keep that law. And in verse 13, we have this explained to us a little more. It says, For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. We're told here that the hearing God's word is no advantage without obedience. God's righteous judgment is not withheld because someone has heard the law. It's not held back if someone, it's only held back if someone actually does the law. Now we understand this. Paul is not saying that keeping the law saves. We know that from the rest of Scripture, don't we? That keeping the law doesn't save you. But what he is saying is he's saying that when God judges, his judgment is fair. God judges according to the knowledge that you have of the law. All men know the difference between right and wrong, with or without the written law. And men still can't do right whether he has the law or doesn't have the law, can he? The Jews who possess the law, their biggest problem is that they keep on sinning and breaking the law. The unsaved, who, uh, the unsaved Gentile who doesn't have the law, his problem is he keeps on breaking the very laws that he himself know are right and wrong. We wouldn't need a police force if we could live by our consciences. We wouldn't need prisons if we lived up to our consciences. We wouldn't need extra laws written by our parliamentarians if we lived by our consciences. The truth of the matter is, if you and I lived by what we knew was right and wrong, we'd have a better society. But what we do is mankind tends to rewrite the law so that what we know is right and wrong is now declared to be right or wrong. We change it around. And the point of this passage is that 
that God is saying that man is without excuse. Because mankind cannot live up to their own standard of right and wrong, let alone God's standard. We can't live up to God's standard. But God says, okay, let's lower the standard to your own conscience. You can't even live up to that. We can't even live by the standard of righteousness which we as human beings think is necessary to live. Let alone live up to God's standard of righteousness. Now, God will judge every man by the standard that he actually has, not by the standard he does not have. He'll judge the Jew by the written law and the Gentile by the law in his heart. So let's identify this for a second. If God judges the Jew according to the possession of the law that he has, what happens to every Jew who stands by the law of God and the law of God looks at him and judges him, what happens is he's condemned. Because no Jew can keep the written law. So let's now take the Gentile and we'll put the Gentile up against the law that's written in his heart. And if the Gentile is judged by the law which is written on his heart, what happens is that law condemns him. The Jews condemned by the written law, the Gentiles condemned by the law in his heart, but we're both condemned. We're all declared lost sinners and we all will likewise perish. See, God is not unfair in his judgment. People are not going to get before the judgment of the Lord and say, listen, it's not, you're not playing fair because you're judging me by the law, the written law, and I did not have access to the written law. God's going to say, listen, I'm not judging you by the written law. I'm judging you simply by the law that's written in your own heart. You know right and wrong, and you did wrong. Therefore, you shall perish. You see, every human being, no matter how ignorant we may be of the written law, have a standard of right and wrong. Although that standard may be defective, that standard becomes a law to him. And the question is whether he always does right, even according to his own understanding of right and wrong. And the truth is, we don't. And so ignorance of the law will not save the Gentile because he has a standard that agrees with God's standard, even though it's only partially the law of God, but he has a standard in his own heart and he doesn't live up to that, therefore he is condemned before a holy God. And possession of the law by the Jew will not save the Jew because he does not keep the law that he has. You see, only Christ can save. And what the apostle is doing here in these chapters, he is painstakingly going through every objection, every rationale that people put up as to why they ought to be accepted by God. One by one, he's tearing down all these pillars 
that says, mankind hold up to say, the reason why God will accept me is when I get to heaven, he'll weigh my good against my bad, and my good will weigh my bad, and he'll let me in. Paul is weighing, knocking down every one of these pillars as it goes along, so that ultimately we get to Romans 23.23, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God, that everybody realizes there's nobody on the face of the planet who is exempt from this declaration, we've all sinned and we all need Christ. Which is chapters 4 and 5 of the book of Romans. See, only Christ can save. But you have to get a person unsaved first. You've got to get them lost first. You've got to make people realize they're sinners. If a person doesn't realize they're a sinner, they'll never get saved. And so the first thing the apostle is doing here is bringing to a place where everybody knows that they're lost so that they might see Christ as the means of salvation. And to close this section out in verse 16, not only we're told that he doesn't judge with respect to per- without re- he judges without respect to persons and that he judges according to obedience, not knowledge. Lastly, we see he judges according to the secrets of the heart in verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. And if you notice, verse 13 to 15 has parentheses around it. Okay? So we can take verses 13 to 15 out and we can read verse 11, 12, and 16. And that really gives us the whole context of what he's saying here. For there is no respect of person with God. For as many have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men's heart, of men, uh, by, Christ, by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. There's a day coming when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. According to my gospel. There's a day coming when men will be judged not according to works, but according to his own thoughts. You see, man is with their excuse. Because even if the Jew could live up to all of the law, which he can't, by the way, because James tells us if you offend in one point, then you're guilty of all. And nobody can live by all the law. But let's say a Jew could live by all the law, and let's say the Gentile could live up to all the law as his conscience tells him. The Lord says here, there's still a problem because your thoughts condemn you. His innermost thoughts would betray him. And they would have violated God's law And all mankind, therefore, is under condemnation because our very thoughts are evil. So you might have people who are good, upstanding citizens. They're living uh, lives that when you look at them, you know, for all intents and purposes, they're living better than most Christians live. But if you could examine the thoughts, not their behavior, but their thoughts, God's word says their very thoughts will condemn them. Because their thoughts betray their hearts. Paul's whole argument is that no matter how good you claim to be, no matter how well you keep the written law, 
or the unwritten law, it's not good enough. Man needs salvation. For Romans 6.23 tells, The wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The whole point of this in Romans is to make us realize that the only means of salvation is Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There is none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understands. There's none that seeketh after God. We've all gone out of our way. We're all condemned before a holy God, whether we are a Jew with the law in our hands or a Gentile with the law in our hearts. We're all condemned before a holy God, and the only means of salvation is Jesus Christ and the gift of God, praise God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and it doesn't matter what we do and who we are and what nationality we are and what age we are or whatever else we are, we're all sinners before a holy God so that God can save us all. That's a wonderful truth here. By declaring every one of us a loss means that Christ died for every one of us. And that's a wonderful truth. He died for all so that all might be saved through faith in him. In this passage of scripture, we've had proven to us that even apparently cultured, moral people are also sinners. When judged by the principles given in these verses, such people are shown to be guilty before a holy God. And for the witness of their own conscience and the revelation of all their secrets, these things show themselves to be sinners. You know, good people by human standards of goodness are still sinners, lost, needing to be born again. Beloved, we need to pray for the unsaved. We need to pray that God would open their eyes to the realization that they're lost sinners before a holy God. We need to pray that God would give you and I opportunities to share with mankind about the knowledge that we have about the fact that God sent his son to die for sinners like them. We need to pray that God gives opportunity to show them from God's word how that they're lost before a holy God and that need the Savior and that they will, if they'll trust him, can be saved. Men and women still need to hear the good news. And we need to take it to them so that they might be saved. The challenge to you and I is that we know this. We understand this. But sometimes it doesn't move us to realize just how much people need the Lord. I trust it will stir our hearts that we indeed will seek opportunities to be a witness for him that souls might be saved. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this night. Thank you, Father, for the book of Romans. We thank you, Father, for spelling out for us exactly the state and condition of men. That whether a man is a heathen sinner in the darkest regions of the world, he is lost. Whether he's a civilized sinner, he's lost. A religious sinner, 
He's lost. And all need Christ because Christ died for all. Help us, Father God, to be passionate about the lost, that we might indeed pray for them, seek opportunities to witness to them, and may we see you save souls, your glory. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take a hymn.